honestly, you know, it's a slower, uh, slower part of the season right now. So we yeah. can probably get him for like start of the playoffs, which would be awesome. That would be nice. All right. What's up, everybody? Uh, we're back. We are the Water Boys. Ryan and Nick here. Uh, Joe will be on with us in a little bit. Uh, Mike, we're not sure. Uh, we talk, I guess Nick talked to him last week. Thought he might be joining us tonight, but uh, we haven't heard from him yet. So we'll see if maybe he uh, joins either us gonna at be some a, point. Yeah, either will be a late entry or we'll uh, my, we'll get a reschedule for, uh, like I was telling Ryan, maybe the start of the playoffs or right around the start of the playoffs. We can kind of get a, a big in-depth preview uh, to have, you know, to have worth having him on to go into a lot of different stuff. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's get right into it. A uh, couple NFL things I do want to mention. One I had remembered uh, I saw last week uh, after the fact, and by the time I thought of it, it was just too late to mention. Um, but the Tampa Bay Bucks are looking like I, – I, I feel like the Tampa Bay Bucks might be headed towards going towards a rebuild pretty soon because not only did Tom Brady retire – uh, one of their offensive linemen, Ali Marpet, uh, just retired mm. about a week ago at 28 years old. Uh, obviously, we know Antonio Brown is not going to be back with the team. Chris Godwin is a free agent. He's going to get a lot of interest from a lot of teams. Uh, I feel like chances are, you know, there are teams that could pay him more than they probably can. Yeah. So I feel like chances lie that he's going to be signing elsewhere in free agency. So if that happens, where does that leave the bucks? That leaves the bucks with Mike Evans and Mike Evans. And <laughs> that's about it. Because how, old you know, is, uh, how old is Leonard for that? He might have some juice in him still. I don't know. He, I mean, he he showed some flashes last season, but he hasn't, you know. And obviously, Gronk isn't going to be back with the team next year now that Brady's gone. Um, I believe I'm pretty sure he's a free agent. I don't think he's expecting to re-sign with the Bucks. So right, if Brady's done, he might be done. Yeah. Either that, or he's going to go sign somewhere else. I think I heard San Francisco. Uh, was like his favorite team growing up or something like that, or he's always wanted to play for the Niners. Interesting. So either he might try and go there or, yeah, I could see him, you know, potentially retiring again. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens this off season with the Bucks and see where they go. And just the other thing I wanted to note, uh, I haven't been watching any of the combine, but I've been paying attention to a lot of the Instagram posts and stuff from the NFL and that showed that this year, I, I forget exactly how many it was, but I think it was something like there was like eight offensive linemen. Offensive linemen in the NFL combine that ran sub five 40-yard dash times. Christ. There, there was like eight of them. It was like an all-time record for like the most offensive lineman to ever run under five seconds in the 40 yard dash. Oh crap. Like it, it was ridiculous how many there were running like, like a four, eight 40 yard dash for guys that are 300 pounds. 
it, it was pretty ridiculous. And one of them, uh, I did I didn't catch the name when I was looking at it, but there was an offensive lineman, three hundred pound offensive lineman, set the broad jump record for players over three hundred pounds. And I want to say it was something like a ten foot broad oh jump or something like it was. It ridiculous. just makes me like it makes me feel like shit. <laughs> it's like someone that's like oh my god you add a large amount of mass to what i already am and that they can jump so, they're just so like you look at them like oh they're fat like like no there's so much muscle on these guys and they're so oh, athletic dude. and it's almost more impressive what these guys can do while carrying around that much weight on them. It is actually ridiculous. Okay, so I just I found the post on NFL's Instagram page. Most offensive linemen to run a sub 5 40 yard dash since 2003, there were 12 of them. Ooh. 12 offensive linemen to run sub five 40 yard dashes. Jesus. And again, we're the, like I just mentioned, we're talking about guys that are 300 pounds mm-hmm. and they're running a 40 yard dash. And the quickest one was 4.88. Damn. They're like catching up to like slow guys and other, and like, <laughs> like, uh, what's the, term for um what's the term for position like running back wide there's like a term for those positions oh the skill positions thank you yeah yeah, yeah. that's like a slow i mean I, I could be very off on this but like a decently slow skill position player <laughs> jesus oh my god oh no i don't even know who this guy is but he just ran a 4.82 and this ain't like a small dude either. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Jordan Davis, 4.82 at 341 pounds. Say the speed again 4.82. 4.82 40 yard dash for a man that's th- 341 mm. pounds. That uh, is absolutely insane. Ah. Uh... Oh, there it is. And there's a comment on here from a uh, Tyrell Dodson. Uh, looks like he's a Texas A&M, and it just says, clear the road. <laughs> <laughs> because, oh my God. seriously, guy 340 pounds running that, that – Dude, that's almost like a Mack truck coming down the road. Like, imagine getting hit by that. Oh my god! Oh, oh, oh. that's terrifying. That because you know, like insane. He's picking up. You're not even just getting squished by him. You're getting rocked. Like they're picking up speed. Oh my god! Yeah, that's terrifying. So imagine Jordan Davis running at you at full speed. And now you probably can't really see it, but go on NFL's Instagram page and you'll you'll find it. Like some of these guys are absolutely insane. 
Oh, and here he is. Okay. Oh, my good Lord. Okay, so he's from Georgia. Uh, and he is a defensive lineman, Jordan Davis. Here are his, his stats from the NFL Combine. 40-yard dash. His fastest, a 4.78. His vertical, 32 inches. And his broad... 32! 32. 341 pounds. 32! And his broad jump, 10 foot 3 inches. Oh, God. This man is not human. I'm still like obviously all of that is very impressive. The 32, like 32. I mean, that's oh my god. Like hold on. I need to see. Let to see if I can get that like a comparison. Okay. Shaq's vertical is a 32. Which I guess is fair because yeah, he's, he's you know, as seven. big as one of these guys. Yeah. But like uh, so like uh, it's a lot of like big like Lamar Odom had a 32 inch vertical. Magic Johnson actually only had a 30 inch vertical. Oh wow. Um uh some other guy like to give here, to give you an idea, the uh, one a little more that makes it a little more ridiculous. Kobe Bryant had a 38. Wow. And which is smaller, honestly, than I thought yeah. it would be. I thought, although I say that once you get into the 40s, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's very true. There's not a lot of guys, and the uh, like, for what Michael Jordan's is listed as a 48. Which is gross. Oh, yeah, Vince Carter, just... 43. Spud <laughs> Webb, 46. But like, yeah. so if you're saying Kobe Bryant's vertical jump is only six inches more than this lineman. Who probably had about, what? Right, how many more? Kobe is probably like, so he was about what? Six, six, I'd say probably. Six, five. Yeah. He's probably six, five. So probably about the same height, right? How tall was the lineman, did it say? Uh, I forget. Is it? I would imagine lineman probably around that height. Yeah. But probably at least 150 on Kobe, if not more. Yeah, probably. Holy. That's nuts. And just to give you a little more perspective, this is another Georgia defensive lineman. Now, albeit he looks like he's a little more like, you know, fit as opposed to built. Uh, mm-hmm. Trayvon Walker, broad jump, 10 foot, three inches, vertical, 35 and a half. You said what and position was he? He's a defensive lineman, but he looks more. Where, does it does it have the college for him? Uh, Georgia. That's OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it looks like nah, he's more of, of like a, a defensive Built end, dude. like yeah. outside linebacker mm-hmm. type of like edge rusher. Uh, vertical 35 and a half, 40 yard dash, 4.51. Walker. Yeah, no, I'm. Let me see. Is he. Okay. I thought he transferred at one point, but I guess oh, it was Georgia. God. Just like watching these, it's it's ridiculous. 
But the, the biggest thing I'm telling, though, like watching these 40-yard dashes, you can tell it's not just the fact that these guys are freakishly athletic. They are really using their strides to their advantage. Oh, like I'm if sure. these guys yeah, are yeah, six yeah. foot four, like they're taking huge strides. They're taking long strides. Yeah. But that that's still it's wild to think that something that large can move that fast. Yeah, right. Oh my god. And then you have to get hit by it. Yeah. Okay, I, I got a little I, I got some nice perspective for you here on the NFL's Instagram page. In 2011, J.J. Watt at his combine. J.J. Watt, six foot five, three and three-eighths of an inch, 290 pounds, ran a 4.91 40-yard dash with a uh, 1.71 10-yard split. In 2022, Jordan Davis... At six foot six and three eighths of an inch, three hundred and forty-one pounds, ran a four point seven eight with a one point six eight ten yard split. <laughs> what? That's uh, what? I, where are these guys coming from? Who are, like they're not humans. <laughs> I they're really not. don't. I don't they're understand. Not. This is ridiculous. I actually don't understand how that's humanly possible. Oh, and this year, uh, we had a defensive back from Baylor, uh, Kalon Barnes, ran a 4.23 40-yard dash, which is the second fastest in NFL history behind John Ross in 2017, ran a 4.22. Mm-hmm. Both Oof. beating who at one point in 2008, Chris Johnson had set the record at 4.24. Right. And he is now third. Mm. <laughs> that is... I, I don't even know what else to say about that. That's just absolutely insane. Although, while we're on the topic real quick, when are we getting, like, better, um, what's it called? Better uh, options for timing these guys than a guy using his freaking yeah, hand on using a timer. A, yeah, using a stopwatch. I, I saw, like, three posts. Uh, I saw a guy, I saw a post that a guy supposedly beat Ross's record. And then it was taken back. Really? Mm-hmm. It was, um, huh. and, and like ESPN posted it saying like <laughs> the record was broken. And then later I saw that no, uh, someone else said, it was like, oh yeah, once they, like that was the unofficial time. Once they got the official time, it was like, uh, it was it, like four. Yeah. Um, I'll see if I could find them. I think it was either ESPN or sports center. Um, but it's like, stop at this like unofficial time crap like get yeah, it in. Really. yeah here we go nfl combine record baylor wide receiver tyquan thornton might have just set the new 40 yard combine record with a 4-2-1 they recorded a at. but then if you go so tyquan thornton 40 time 
Um, the official time for our boy Taekwon. So what did I say that the unofficial was? What did 4. I say? Four point two one. Yeah. And if this loads. Four point two eight was the official. So it's like, yeah, it's okay. still ridiculous. Yeah. But you're going from breaking the record to or like to... I mean, not even in the top whatever. Like yeah. it's still great, but it's like But we had like eight tenths. I got know, all excited and like a... started telling people the record was broken. Yeah. And seven tenths of a second when you're talking about, you know. In football, a that's, a, that's a lot. Like it is. in anything, really. Like seven tenths of a second is like you're you're getting burned by like ten yards, as opposed to like keeping up. I yeah, I don't know. So. We'll see. I just thought that that was some interesting stuff to mention with that absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous amount of 12 offensive linemen no, running, absolutely. having 40 times under five seconds. Mm-hmm. No, it is. For, it, right. You, you know, I see all these posts about like the wide receivers getting great unofficial times. Put that to the side. Give me the, give me these big yeah. oaths just tearing it down the, the you know, again, I brought this up before. I'll bring it up again. We get so excited about these big guys at the combine. Give me offensive linemen races at the Pro Bowl. <laughs> like, it's clearly be entertaining pretty, because yeah. we love it right now. Like, yeah. give it to me. And, like, you think about, like, how many times have you seen in, like, a regular season game the broadcasters go to a replay and point out, look at this right guard like running with his running back, you know, 20, 30 yards down the field and making blocks mm-hmm. on a, you know, on a big play, because it's like, you think about, it's like, this guy's 330 pounds and he's 30 yards downfield outrunning linebackers exactly. and, you know, making blocks. You know, yeah. Why not? So we'll, we'll see. Uh, I would definitely expect that the New York Jets and New York Giants scouts are looking very deeply at the mm-hmm. offensive linemen. At least I'm sure their fans would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's all, all I wanted to mention there. Mm-hmm. So, Nick, if you would like, take it away. It is time for NBA. It's time for the NBA. Um See, I don't think anything uh, – the only big things that have changed standing-wise for the NBA at least – I know last time we were talking Miami and Chicago were in those one and two spots in the East. Uh, Miami now solely holds and is three games ahead of anyone else. Um, they are in first. And then you've got the 76ers and the Bucks, both three games back from the Heat. And then uh, the Bulls are now down to fourth. Um, with only the Celtics right behind them. And the Celtics have been on a tear 
and they're a team that I never really was huge a huge fan of. Um, I was one that it, like I wasn't a huge advocate of it, but I definitely like could get behind the idea of splitting up Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, but clearly, you know, they're kind of getting their shit together. They are uh, eight and two in their last ten. They're also on a three game win streak right now. One of those including. A, uh, a primetime TNT win over the Memphis Grizzlies, who are now in second in the West. They have surpassed uh, the Golden State Warriors, who continue to struggle with Draymond gone. Um, but the next, I mean, the Nets uh, have had some good wins, but they still have some, or not the Nets, sorry, the um, Celtics uh, have some good wins, and then they have some weird losses. If you look, like I just said, they're eight and two in their last 10. This is their last 10. They beat the Grizzlies. Or actually, so they played today. I forgot there were games earlier mm-hmm. today. Uh, close game with the Nets, 126-120. So that's a good win for them. Beat the Grizzlies, 120-107. Beat the Hawks, 107-98. And the Hawks have been a weird one because their record doesn't show, you know, that they could be dangerous. Uh, you know, they win some good games and then they lose some shitty ones. So it's a confusing one. With them, but either way, whether the record shows it or not, that is a good win. But then they lost to the Pacers 128 to 107. So there's one of their losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's four games. Pit, then they beat the Pistons, they yeah. beat the Nets again. Yeah. Then they lost to the Pistons. Mm. Then they beat the Celtics by or they beat the Sixers by 50. That was one of their big games recently. So one, two, three, four, Jeez. five, six, seven, eight. Then they beat the Hawks again, and they beat the Nuggets. Okay. And then you could even go a few more games back. On a, honestly, they had an incredible stretch. Beat the Nets again. Beat the Magic by freaking 30. Beat the Pistons. Beat the Hornets. Beat the Heat. Beat the Pelicans. And then we get into another loss. They lost to the Hawks. Um so, I mean, even right there, I mean, they've won eight of the last 10. And if you add on more, they've won one, two, three, four, five, six. They've won 14 of their last 16. I believe if I did the math right. Uh, either yeah, way. I believe so, yeah. Either way, they're, they've been on a streak recently. Because, I mean, they were – in the beginning of the season, we thought they were going to be in that, like, play-in area. And now they're – uh, only a game behind home court advantage in the playoffs. Um, if we even look up, uh, and I know at least uh, the Grizzlies game they played the other day was without Jalen Brown. Was Jalen Brown there today or is he still out? Uh, no, I believe he was in the game today. He played today? Yeah. Okay. Um, Jesus Christ, Jason Tatum had 54. Oh, did he? I, I wasn't really watching too much of the game. <laughs> I, I can't I can't Holy. watch the Nets right now. They they just they're they're playing like shit. So so Durant had 37, 8, and 6. Uh, which was today today wasn't his com- uh his return. No, it was, it was his uh, set, they played second on, game back. They played on what Thursday, right? Thursday, yeah. Um so Durant in that game had 37, 8, and 6. Kyrie had 19, 6, and 4. Uh then you got 16, 6, and 5 out of Bruce Brown and 14 out of Aldridge. On the Celtics side, you got 54 out of Tatum, uh, 21 out of Brown, 14 out of Smart. Um, and then if you go to that Grizzlies game, I mean, they really just held them. They played good defense. Uh, granted, you know, John Morant had 38 points, uh, but 
I'll get into uh, that's a topic that I wanted to get into. Uh, so it actually reminds me of that. The fact that they held, when I say they held him to 38, it's because that's the lowest he's scored in their last three games, <laughs> which is un- unreal. Um, but Desmond Bain had 17, Jaron Jackson had 20, but no one else in double figures for them. Um, meanwhile, the Celtics very well rounded with no Jason, uh, with no uh, Jalen Brown. Um, you had Al Horford had 21 and 15, looking like classic Al. Uh, Jason Tatum, 37, 6 and 5. Robert Williams, 10 and 12. Marcus Smart, 18 and 12. So, I mean, you had Al Horford with a double double, Jason Tatum with 37 points, Robert Williams with a double double, Marcus Smart with a double double. And then off the bench, Derek White, who has found a very nice role with this Celtics team, had 12 points, Grant Williams with 11 points. Um, so, this Celtics team has definitely gotten their shit together a bit uh, and then really showed it on uh, prime time uh, the other night. So they're definitely going to be a team that we have to, you know, I still wouldn't group that. Like if I had to, you know, rank, you know, ignore records who I'm afraid of in the East. I mean, I'm still putting the heat above them with the way Harden and Embiid have been playing so far. I put the Sixers ahead of them. I put the Bucks ahead of them. If the Bulls are healthy, I'm putting them ahead of them. And despite them being the nine seed, I'm putting Brooklyn ahead of them. As long as they're healthy, I'm taking half of Kyrie and Durant against Boston. I don't think Boston has proven enough yet with, uh, I mean, you know, we look back a few years ago, they were making the Eastern Conference Finals, but that was a very different team. Mm-hmm. This is really the first year that Tatum has had to be like that main leader, which like, I don't think he can't do it. I just think it's been a shift for them this year. Cause even last year, despite him being hurt the majority of the seat or not last year, sorry, two years ago. I mean, Gordon Hayward was still on that team. Yeah. Um, and this last like year or two, it's really shifted to Jason Tatum being that like spokesperson for this team. And even though he's been good since he came into the league, it was never really his team. Like even the first year, Kyrie, it was Kyrie's team, even though yeah. he was Jason Tatum was the one that really emerged in the playoffs and had that dunk on LeBron in the Eastern conference finals. And it, like, it was still, there were veterans on that team. Mm-hmm. Then you had Gordon Hayward, obviously you had Kemba Walker. Like there yeah. were a lot of veterans on this team, despite, you know, Tatum being the best player on the team. He really didn't have to be that voice yet. Al Horford only came back this year. Um, yeah. So obviously he's uh, he's familiar with some of the players, but it's definitely a different team since he was there the few years before. Um, but they're definitely mm-hmm. a team to keep an eye on because I think now uh, with Cleveland kind of dropping, Cleveland who sat around three and four majority of the season are now down to six. Um, and I mean, you're going to be seeing a battle between – I think Boston has secured itself unless they really have a downfall, just the way they've been playing. I think they've secured themselves at least the top five and that battle for that seven or that battle for that six spot to not be in the play in is probably going to be mainly between Cleveland and Toronto. Um, I believe, let me see. So, cause again, I don't think Charlotte's good enough. And the problem with Charlotte, they speaking of Gordon Hayward, Gordon Hayward has been out. And since then, Charlotte has been terrible. Um, And the same thing happened last year. Charlotte was like fourth in the East. And then Lamelo got hurt. 
LaMelo got hurt, but they were fine. When If you look record-wise, they were fine when LaMelo got hurt. He came back, then Hayward got hurt. That's when their record suffered. Wow. Okay. Um, and the same thing is happening this year. They were doing well. Hayward gets hurt. They go. They start suffering. Um, because the same thing with, you know, when he was on the Celtics, like, yeah, you have LaMelo to be, um, you know, your main facilitator. But he's also now only a – he's still only a second-year player. Um, and this is a very young team that really has no, like, veteran voice on the court. Like, I guess Terry Rozier is probably the biggest oh. veteran after Gordon Hayward, which, granted, Terry Rozier has been phenomenal these last few years in Charlotte. Um, but they re- you could just tell they need – I wonder if I can get, like, the advanced stat with that. Um, but you could really tell they suffer without Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Um, see if I can get this real quick before I move on. Um, this season, at least, it's saying this season they have a three and nine. This this has to be old because it says three and nine, but there's been more games. Um, right now they're six and eleven without Hayward. Um, so if you, so if you take that record away, um, where's the standing six and 11 right now, they're 32 and 33. So they would be 26 and 22. Yeah. So they were 22 and 26 before he got hurt. And now they're 32 and 33 without him. So, I mean, that, that's a big swing of being. Five, yeah, four, what, yeah. like four or five games above it's 500, over 500. now one game below 500. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's tough for them. And I don't know when he's coming back, but I mean, I think it's going to be a very similar result as last year. Um, that I think the Hornets, despite where they are in this play in, they're going to get bounced because if you again, if you look at where the and I keep getting distracted from where I'm going, I promise I'm getting to the topic I want to after this. If you look at the play-in right now, let's assume the season ends where it is right now. Seven and eight is Toronto and Charlotte. Nine and 10 is Nets Hawks. First off, Nets Hawks as a nine, 10 would be an incredible one game series. (laughs) I think the Nets should take it, but I think it would be like entertaining. They're not playing like the wizards or something. Like it's, it'd be entertaining at least. Keyword um, there should. It should be. But either way, I think the Raptors beat the Hornets, which would then mean the Hornets have to play one of those two teams. And I think the Hawks or the Nets beat the Hornets. So even if the Hornets finish in that eight spot, they could be in trouble. Like they definitely need to try and keep that eight spot so they get two chances to win. But I mean, right now they're t- actually. I say that they're an eighth. They're actually tied with Brooklyn and Atlanta. Oh, wow. So that is not looking good for them because – so Atlanta is 31 and 32, and then the Nets and Hornets are 32 and 33. So they all have the same percentage. The Hawks yeah. have just played two less games. Mm-hmm. Um, so be interested to see how that uh, unfolds just in case uh, – you guys were curious how the Magic are in last at 16, 16 and 49. Um, however, not last in the league because Houston is uh, 
15 and 48. Oof. Um, but getting to what I sl- quickly mentioned before, um, the Grizzlies, and more importantly, John Moran. He, he had that hot start to the season. He was leading the league in scoring for that short amount of time. Um, you know, there was a lot of hype around him. Uh, he's been, you know, kind of voiced as, I don't know, he's the odds-on favorite to win most improved player of the year. I don't know if that is, you know, it's a weird award to give to someone who's arguably like, a top potentially a top five player in the league this year yeah it's a very weird award to give someone like that and kind of um, like has been since you know he came into the league really right so which this year is definitely been, like i was actually watching um i was bored the other day and wanted to watch some sort of like basketball highlights and i pulled up like john morant like top 10 plays or like highlight whatever and the majority of the videos are, you know, because this season is still going on. It's like six months ago, a yeah. year ago. Yeah. So it's like only posting highlights of like his first year or two because this season wouldn't have started yet. I'm like, all right, let me let me look for something like this season. And there's a channel I highly suggest you guys check it out if you haven't heard of it before. It's called Golden Hoops. And they post some of the best highlight videos you could possibly find out there. Uh, for the NBA, there's like they have like different themed videos. I'm gonna pull them up to get like kind of an idea. Um, so it's like it keeps it like interesting while you're watching, and it's very like you know up to date. So it's like you know since LeBron and this has to be mentioned as well. LeBron had a what I believe a 56 point game the other uh, uh, last night or two nights ago. I think it was last night. LeBron went off for 56 against the Warriors, um, had himself a night. So one of the most recent videos is most hype LeBron video of 2022 is the most recent one. (laughs) But then there's like, you know, random ones like NBA inspirational games moments, NBA godly athleticism moments, um, the most beautiful basketball movement you'll ever watch NBA OMG ending moments NBA like NBA traded to Shanghai sharks moments (laughs) NBA amazing handles moments, unexpected dunk moments. Then like when Ja was popping off is Ja Morant, the best player in the world right now. And Mm. that's the video that I watched. Um, And it's just all Ja highlights from this year. A lot of 360 layups. (laughs) It is night and day watching the highlight videos from him last year and this season. It is a different player. Like, the ones from last year, it's like, you know, they're nice plays. My jaw drops on every single one of the plays in this damn video. It's insane how good he is. Um, And to pull up the little stretch he went on, he... So they lost against Minnesota on uh, last Thursday. This was his last lowest game. He had, granted, the team performed well, even though they did lose. He had 20 points. Their rookie, Zaire Williams, had 21. Jaron Jackson Jr. had 21 and 11. Um, a few other 10-point uh, scorers. It was just topped by D'Angelo Russell scoring 37. Um, mm. And Towns with 22. But then went into Chicago to play the Bulls 
and Jaw had 46, 4, and 3. Okay. Then again, and then so you're like, wow, that damn good game. How could he can never top that? I'll actually rewind a little bit. The game before the Timberwolves game, he had 44 and 11 against the, <laughs> the Blazers. Um, where is he? You know, he didn't play in this one. Okay. So it's like, you know, he's got 46 against the Bulls. How could you top that? Well, Two days later, against the Spurs, he has 52 and 7. <laughs> I mean, unreal numbers out of this man. And the 52, it was done, what was it? I think it's. they said he made four free throws that game. Wow. 52 points and only four of them four, were free throws. It's like you coach. look, you know, like, you know, the first player that comes to my mind is James Harden <laughs> that had, you know, that stretch of like I 30, can. 40, 50 point games. Screw but, you him. know, let's say he scored like 40 points. 15 of them might have been free throws. Probably. And a podcast I was listening to said there are only three 50 point games with less free throws than that. And it was, or it was either three or two. And the two I remember, one was a player I'd never heard of. He had done it on two free throws. The most ridiculous one, I don't know if you remember this game. I think it was one of the bubble games. Jamal Murray had a flat 50, zero free throws. Oh, wow. Granted, he definitely had more threes than Morant. Yeah. Like Morant definitely finished a lot in the paint, which is mm-hmm. what makes it wild is you're getting a lot of twos compared to threes. Yeah. But zero free throws. And he dropped 50. Wow. Um, so, yeah, back to, I mean, back to Ja. Had 52, like I said, against the Spurs. Um, they gave him a lot of attention in Boston, and he still finished with 38 then I haven't checked this one yet. They murdered the Magic, 124-96. Oof. He, he had a light 25. <laughs> but, like, the rest, I mean, he had 25. Desmond Bain had 24. Jaron Jackson, 13. Clark, 11. Tyus Jones, 14. Um, mm. And the Magic had no one score. Cole Anthony had 19. Mo Wagner had 17. Franz Wagner had 15. <laughs> Brutal. I must say it was uh it was very rude by the NBA to schedule this for the Magic. They had back-to-back games. This game was at Memphis. The day before was at Toronto. Huh. So they played in Toronto. They played in Toronto, then went straight to Memphis and played Memphis. the next day. That's tough. That is a tough one. That's tough, yeah. Not saying that the Magic would have had any chance against Memphis because they clearly would not. But, I mean, that explains a 124-96 to, 96 yeah, to game yeah. where the highest scorer on the team was 19. Yeah. Because um, especially with, when you're thinking about right now, like, players going to Toronto, it they're, they're still pretty strict up there in Toronto. In, in right, so it's probably not the, mo- the easiest procedure for them to deal with Exactly, up there. so that probably – all the, you know, protocols and stuff they probably had to go through to get out of Toronto just to get on the flight to go to Memphis 
you know, might have taken them an extra hour. So who knows what time they actually got into Memphis. Could have mm-hmm. been two, three o'clock in the morning. And then it's like, okay, you know, by the time you get in, get settled, what time are you falling asleep? Four, four thirty. By the time you actually like get yourself settled and are able to fall asleep. And then you're waking up at what? You know, 10 o'clock to grab breakfast and, and go to the, you know, go to the arena. It's tough. You it's know, t- quite possibly. Uh, well, I mean, maybe not that early, but still, you know. No, I mean, it's brutal. It's very brutal. Um, I mean, I'm sure they had to get up at some point, you know, around noon, have something for breakfast, go get right. in a little workout or something before having to get ready mm-hmm. to go, you know. At least go have play like a game. light shoot around or something. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Um, and then the Grizzlies are actually playing right now. They're playing against the Rockets, which surprisingly is a very close game. It is 82-81 with two minutes left in the third. Um, and giving some stats for this one, Stephen Adams, surprisingly leading the Grizzlies in scoring with 17 points. That might be a season high for Stephen. Quite possibly. Um, 17 and 8 he has right now. John Morant has 16 and 1. Desmond Bain has 14. Looking at the Rockets, Christian Wood has 22. Kevin Porter Jr. has 23. Jalen Green has 18. Um, so, I mean, I don't think Ja is breaking into that. You know, obviously, with all recency bias, you're seeing them on, like, Sports Center and people saying, like, oh, J- Kendrick Perkins has been – who's an absolute fool – um has been like backing like John ja Morant as like an MVP candidate. And I'm like, yeah, he's very good. He's not he's in the top five for MVP candidate. He is not yeah. ahead of Jokic, Embiid, or Giannis. No, probably not. Frankly, I don't know if he's like he you could argue him as against DeRozan for the fourth. Yeah. I think it's Unless there's someone else I'm missing, I think it's those clear three in any order. You, I think it's probably uh, Jokic and Embiid one or two, whichever one you prefer. Mm-hmm. Then Giannis three, and then you can argue four and five, DeRozan and uh, Ja. Um, so this Memphis team will definitely be interesting going forward because the one thing they have going for they have something similar with the. Um, similar as the Boston team, uh, weirdly enough, that we were talking about them uh, did when uh, Tatum and Brown were so young, is there's a lot of guys on this team that are outperforming their contracts. Like, Jaron Jackson Jr. only just got an extension, so they're only just paying him. John Morant is going to be getting a huge extension this offseason, but they're not paying him right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... Desmond Bain is still on his rookie contract. Um, trying to think who up. Dylan Brooks is not on a big contract. No. Uh, Stephen Adams, Adams probably is not isn't on a, on a big, big contract. Because I mean, Anderson Stephen Adams is, is like a, fifty years right. old. So right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tyus Jones, who has been one of the best backup point guards in the yeah. league this year, is not on I, a big contract. Can't be. Um, so I mean, there's just a lot of guys like. Now I'm gonna to have to pull this up because I need to need to back myself. Yeah, I doubt um, they're 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 paying anybody that you know all that much. 
Okay, here we go. Um, here we go. All right. This year, we'll just go this year. Um, Stephen Adams is Stephen Adams is actually making the most money this year. Okay. Stephen Adams is making seventeen million this year. All right. Dylan Brooks. A little more than I so, thought, but but that is the most on this team. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Dylan Brooks is making uh twelve million this year. Okay. Kyle Anderson is making nine or basically 10 million this year. Okay. John Morant is only making 9 million this year. I mean, that that's going to go up a lot in the off. And I'm assuming much they'll still give part of his rookie deal, isn't it? They're going to, he probably had like the rookie. Ex- Actually, unless yeah, I guess it, eh, I don't know. Unless he's this ex- is like his fifth year option. Well, because or- he's, he's extended th- like right now, they have him through 23, 24. Okay. So they don't even need to pay him next. Like, even if they extend him next year on something ridiculous, I'm not sure how it, like, for example, if they extend him, I think next year he would still be paid what he's supposed to be paid next year. I believe so. Unless they like work something out to pay him. But either way, he's only getting paid 12 million next year. Yeah. Then you've got Jaron Jackson, who, Next year, the extension kicks in. All right, so that actually answers my question. So Jackson got the extension at the beginning of this year. So okay. he's only making nine million this year, but he'll be making twenty nine million next year. <laughs> he's worth now. It, that's though. the highest. So his yeah. goes down. So his goes from twenty nine to twenty seven to twenty five to twenty three. Okay, so they, they which is actually kind of cool because it offsets with Jaws. Because okay. since Jackson makes twenty eight next year and Jaws only making twelve. They're not going to have to pay Josh shit ton of money until Jackson's down to twenty five, mm-hmm. which is kind of helpful for them actually. Yeah. So um, what they can, they were smart. Mm-hmm. They kind of front loaded his contract. So what they can exactly. do is when they give Morant a contract, uh, contract extension, backload it. Mm-hmm. So he'll um, he'll be getting paid. You know, when Jackson's getting paid twenty five, Josh will be getting paid you know thirty or whatever it is. Right. Or honestly, probably forty something. At yeah, this probably. Point. Yeah. Um, the way these NBA going, contracts are going. Right. Oh, he's gonna get whatever, like a super max. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. Luca just got like forty four or something like that. Jaw's gonna get that. Oh yeah, he's gonna be getting that. Easy. Um. So, just refresh real quick. Stephen Adams seventeen, Dylan Brooks twelve, Kyle Anderson ten, Jaw nine and a half, Jaron nine. DeAnthony Melton is only getting 8.8. Tyus Jones, 8.3. Jarrett Culver, who they don't even play. It's just because he was a high draft pick, so he has this contract, mm-hmm. 6.3. Chris Dunn, which I don't even think he's on the team. I think they're just paying him five. Huh. Rondo, they're still paying 4.8. Oh, geez. Zaire Williams, the rookie they just drafted, 4.3. Okay. Brandon Clark, 2.7. They're still paying Mark Gasol for one more year, 2.6. Oh, wow. John Conchar, 2.2. And then the reason I'm still going down this list, the last one, arguably, not even arguably, their third best player, Desmond Bain, two flat. Wow. And they have him two this year, 2.1 next year, 3.8 the year after, 
5.7 the year after that. Wow. Was their team option the third okay. year and then yeah. the qualifying offer mm-hmm. the fourth year. So, so you look at all that and it's like, now they do have guys they have to sign. Of the ones I mentioned, Kyle Anderson is not extended yet. So he's going to have to get something after this year. Tyus Jones, Culver, and then you can, then the other ones are Chris Dunn, Rondo, and Gasol. So obviously you don't worry about them. Yeah. So it's actually only Jones and Culver, uh, Jones and Anderson that you're going to have to shell out money for. Um, but I mean, I, I wonder if they have their payroll right now is 29th in the league out of 30 teams, which I imagine that means they're paying the 29th least amount of money. I could only yeah. imagine. Yeah, most likely. Um, well, because I mean, think about some of these other teams. Think about you know, Golden. They've got State. three guys, or think look at about the Lakers. They got the three Lakers. guys making more than forty million a year. Yeah, you've got three guys that almost make as much as this team does. Mm-hmm. So, and but that's the weird thing with this team is because they're such a young, fun team that like I mean. All of these guys are young, like besides Steven Adams, who is, I mean, younger than we thought he was, but no, he's not. <laughs> he's not. I swear. According no to the way. league, Steven Adams is 28. Kyle Anderson is 27, I believe. Tyus Jones and Dylan Brooks, I believe, are both 25 or right around that. Dylan Brooks, maybe 26, but I think they're both 25. After that, everyone's like 22, 23, 21, 20. Like, this team is very – like, I was glad they didn't do anything at the trade deadline because I think it would have been a weird dynamic for this team to trade people away. As much as they love him, I think there's a chance Kyle Anderson could be somewhere else next year just because, I mean, he's a guy that – he's not flashy, but he can do everything. He's like a point forward that plays defense. He can shoot. He can finish. Like mm-hmm. he's going to be a guy that a lot of teams would want to have on their team um, to come off the bench. Um, and that frees up 10 million yeah. bucks. They could pay someone. Some, um, yeah. So, but it's weird. Cause it's like, you look at this team and it's like, do you bring, do you risk bringing here? If you're the Grizzlies, do you think you have your three guys in John Morant, Jaron Jackson and Desmond Bain? Or do you risk bringing someone in and paying them a ton of money and potentially messing this up when realistically this team is so far what their projections are? Like, they're only in, like, this team is the second in the West right now. Yeah. Like, do you even mess with that? Do you just, like, you know, hold on to your money, pay Jaw once you need to, pay Bane once you need to, maybe just uh, fill in, like, a gap or two if you lose a guy like Kyle Anderson like what do you do if you're this team I feel like you need to make moves because you're you are a win now team all of a sudden but at the same time it's like do you actually mess with any of this or do you kind of just let it go I don't know it's kind of a a tough situation because you think about Memphis too Memphis not really a huge market like, I know the team is doing very well, and I'm sure that would draw some attention. But I don't really know how much they're going to be willing to spend, especially when you know mm-hmm. you're going to have to pay John Morant a, a lot of money. A, a, like, tanker 
you know, a mm-hmm. tanker of money. And, you know, yeah, like the, the chemistry of this team has been very well, you know, doing very well. Cause look at, you know, the opposite happening in Brooklyn. They're paying guys a ton of money and they're playing like shit. Same because, as the Lakers. You know, guys they, have been hurt. The team doesn't have a lot of chemistry. They haven't played together a lot. Whereas the Grizzlies have played a lot of games together. And, you know, the chemistry is coming together and they're playing really well. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's wild to think that they could, like, I mean, you look at the state of the West right now. I know there's definitely a lot of potential in the West. But at the same time, you look down the list, it's like Phoenix, who's probably the biggest challenge. We don't know the deal with Chris Paul right now. Mm-hmm. Then, then you've got the Grizzlies. Then you have the Warriors, which you don't know what the deal is with Draymond right now. Plus, Clay has really not been Clay since he's come back. It'll be interesting to see it. I mean, now Clay has not played with Draymond at all. So we'll see if like a lot of stuff changes once he's back. Because if you think about it, like even though Clay's been gone for so long, one it takes a while to come back from it. I mean, he has he's been gone for like two years. Yeah. So it's definitely gonna take a while for him to get situated. Plus, he's gonna get situated without one of the guys he's probably played his. I think he came into the league after Draymond. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think so. If not, maybe a year or two, or if not, it was like right around the same time. So he's used to also playing with him. So I don't like, I don't think that team goes very far without Draymond to be completely honest. Um, then after them, who is that next? Um, Utah, Utah, which, Utah has the talent, but we haven't seen. Yeah, you know, we haven't seen them do any, anything with it. Right, uh, Dallas. Um, I think Dallas has, is honestly a scary team because yeah, dude, Luca has been going. He's been on just fire balls recently. Balls to the walls. Um, I know a lot of people were very confused about the uh, Porzingis trade, um, even though everyone agreed that it was time to get Porzingis out of Dallas. Uh, only getting Dinwiddie and Bertons back was a little yeah, odd. Kinda, um, yeah. However, if you look at their last game, Spencer Dinwiddie had a 36 bomb. Granted, it was against the Kings, but still had 36 still. and seven. Very, looking, I, I hate that his name always comes up, but it's looking very Harden-esque that he gets traded and now all of a sudden starts looking better. Um, mm-hmm. But looking at Luka the last few games... Um, so he actually, Luca actually didn't play in that Kings game. So I guess Dinwiddie, okay. uh, so, I mean, you look at the two guards that stepped in for him. Dinwiddie had 36 and seven and Brunson had 23 and six. Um, then you go against that, you go into that Warriors game. Um, I'll actually, you, they played Warriors very recently. They played the Warriors, then the Lakers and the Warriors again. So the mm-hmm. first Warriors matchup. Luke had 34 and 11. So you would think, all right, maybe they know what to do, try and like contain him a little bit in the second matchup. Second yeah. matchup, he has 41, 10, and 9. <laughs> yeah, he's been he's been falling out the um, last couple of weeks. Lakers had 28, 8, and 5. 
Um, I mean, he he has been phenomenal, and he is one that uh, I'm going to pull up and see if I can get any more stats for him real quick. Um, yeah, the last few games, uh, March – okay, 41 just, – just points-wise, and I'm going to throw out there all of these games he's had minimum six of either assist or rebounds, and every game he's had at least like 10 of one of the stats. Mm-hmm. 41 points, 25 points, 34 points, 23 points, 49, 21, 45, 51. I yeah. mean, he's been phenomenal. So if you no know, if Dinwiddie starts to become, you know, starts to get back to his form, Brunson continues to play well. Dorian Finney Smith has been a good player for them, a consistent like 14, 15, and 10 guy for them. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, they're a team that also could uh, present problems in the West. Um, But uh, looking through the rest of the West again, Nuggets, I mean, if they get their guys back, they're a very dangerous team. But if you don't have Murray and you don't have Porter, I don't know how as incredible of a player as he is. I don't know how far Jokic gets you by himself. Um, Even with his no-look passes? I love him so much. Did you you see the one uh, a couple nights ago? I don't know if I did. Dude, oh my god, I forget I who they were playing. It was just recently I saw this. Um was no, it the Pelicans? No, because they're playing them tonight. Oh, I did see this. The it was against the, the Rockets. Oh, and he missed it. Right? But yeah. still, like he anticipated where his no, guy was gross. gonna be and just throws and a no look pass to an, I did see an this. empty this corner. And all of a sudden, his teammate was just like, "Oh, okay, I got." It. It's so ridiculous. It, it's just, it's filthy. It went right through the defender's hands too, yeah. like perfectly. Yeah. Um. To a, I mean, no, to a he's corner phenomenal that was and... completely empty. Right. And he just was like, "Oh, my guy's gonna be there." It was like, "What?" <laughs> I mean, I'm never gonna doubt Jokic. But I'll doubt the rest of the players around him when it comes playoff time and they're sending three at Jokic. Yeah. Um, Especially if they're the sixth seed, you figure they're going to be playing Golden State if Golden State's in the three seed. Mm hmm. And, you know, you know, while Jokic would dominate down, because I mean, if there's no Draymond, Jokic yeah. is dominating that matchup. But outside <sighs> of that, can they handle the rest? You need of it. Jokic to put up 30, 10, and 10 each game for them yeah. to win, to even have a chance in that series. Um, and then after that, I mean, the last few teams are the Timberwolves, who have definitely looked good, but I mean, I wouldn't take them in any sort of playoff series. And then the Clippers, who, while they've been, you know, they he's going to get no talk, but Tyron Lue honestly deserves uh, some coach of the year talk. Amazing. He deserves some coach of the year praise because. I mean, this team is only 34 and 31, and they're the eight seed. But that's with no Paul George or uh, Kawhi Leonard. And if you look, we were talking about it the other night, how the Clippers are 3-0 and against the Lakers, and they have one more game left. Yeah. Clippers are going to – Clippers are going to uh, – they got the sweep. They beat them 132 to 111 on Thursday. Oh, wow. Um, and this is the lineup they're running out there. Reggie Jackson, Terrence Mann, mm-hmm. Nicholas Batum, Marcus yep. Morris, and, he, and Ivanka Zubac. Yeah. 
You've got no Norman Powell yet. You're running off the bench. Amir Coffey, Robert Covington, Luke Kennard, Isaiah Hartenstein, Brandon Boston Jr. And you're winning 132-111 against the Lakers. Reggie Jackson had 36 points against that Lakers team. Uh, I'll get one more. They beat the Rockets in back-to-back games. They beat the Lakers before. Jesus Christ. Their last five games have been against the Rockets or the Lakers. <laughs> like literally, it was this game, Lakers, Rockets, Rockets, Lakers, Rockets. <laughs> and they won all five of them. Oh, wow. I mean, that's co- like that right there. I don't care who the teams are. The fact that you won all of those games. Yeah. That's coaching. And you're and you're winning games with honestly no like superstar type players. No, here I'll to your, run on, through the right to run through these. I mean, some close, some some not close. The first Rockets game was one forty two to one eleven. Uh, the Clippers, I mean, spread board. So they scored one hundred forty two. No one scored thirty. Huh. Marcus Morris had twenty seven. Batum, who started, only had three. Zubak had 13. Terrence Mann had 20. Reggie Jackson had 12. Off the bench, Coffee had 13. Hartenstein had 13. Kennard had 25. Wow. You go into that first Lakers game, 105-102. Morris had 10. Mann had 19. Jackson had 17. Kennard had 18. Hartenstein, 11. Coffee 14. Covington, mm-hmm. 10. I think that was that. Uh, that was the one before our last. Yeah. Show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one I saw. Mm-hmm. When right. I saw Russell Westbrook just looking completely and utterly like, please don't give me the ball. Please don't give me the mm-hmm. ball. Um. So that was that game. Then you've got the third or the second Rockets game was actually 98, 98, 90, or 99, 98. Clippers again, scoring wise 13 from Morris, five from Batum, 14 Zubak, 26 Reggie Jackson, nine man, nine coffee, 12 Hartenstein. The next Rockets game <laughs> Morris, 18, Batum, four, Zubak, 22, man, 11, Jackson, 17, Brandon, Boston, 11, coffee, 10. And then, like I said, this most recent Lakers game. Marcus Morris, 14, Batum, 6, Zubak, 19, Reggie Jackson, 36, Mann, 9, Coffee 8, Covington, 12, Kennard, 11, Hartenstein, 12. I mean, they're just such a well-rounded team with this scoring. I just named there on a 1, 2, 3, 4, uh, five-game win streak. They lost to the Suns before that, but before that, they beat the Warriors, and the Mavericks. And then again, to show the game planning, they lost the Mavericks the game before that. And then in a back-to-back beat them the next game. Mm-hmm. Um, in that first game, let's see if they did anything defensively in that first game. Luca had 51. Oh. That was his 51 er okay. in the second game. He had 45. Okay. So they didn't do much <laughs> to stop him, but they did win the second game. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, so now, I mean, the whole point of this was with the uncertainty with the other uh, teams in the West, I mean, it wouldn't be the most ridiculous thing if the mem- if the Grizzlies made it to the Western Conference Finals, let alone, I mean, 
if there are questions with Phoenix, I they could make the finals. Like they I'm not could, gonna yeah. like I'm not gonna rule it out. I, I would say this: I would be less surprised if the Grizzlies made the finals than if Boston made the finals. Oh, absolutely. I'd be more shocked about Boston. I, I'd be honestly, I'd be very shocked if Boston made it. And um, I, I've been sitting here this whole time, like you've been talking about this, thinking this Clippers team right now, I know they're not as as good, uh, like up to the level uh, this team was, but this Clippers team, just kind of like the way they're built right now with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard being uh, not playing, almost kind of reminds you of those 2000s Detroit Pistons teams. Mm-hmm. That won that championship no, with Chauncey Billups and Ben Wallace and all these guys. Like nobody necessarily like not having ever having like a, a so called like superstar on the team. Having a couple guys that were like borderline all stars with Chauncey Billups and Ben Wallace, but somehow just being like a collection of good players that filled their roles in, you know, the best possible way they could. And they just kind of had that chemistry and, you know, were, were able to almost kind of, you know, defy what we think of as a championship team being that like, Oh, you need to have at least, you know, one or two like superstar future Hall of Fame type players on your team, even though obviously Ben Wallace uh, recently getting inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame. Um, But at the time, you know, did you ever really think Chauncey Billups was going to turn out to be a future Hall of Famer? Um, You know, borderline. Ben Wallace, did you ever really think he was going to make the Hall of Fame? Again, borderline. And then after that, it was just, after those two, honestly, I don't think I could really name any anybody else on that team. Other than no, I, maybe Rip, can, ha- Rip Hamilton. Right, I was going to say, you get Ben Wallace, you get Chauncey, you get Rash- uh Wasn't Rashid, Rashid Wallace also on he that might, team? He might have been on and off. Um, like that. And then, yeah, Hamilton. And then I couldn't name it because Grant Hill was well gone by then. So I want to see if... Uh, Let's see who can get on. Yeah. That. So what is that? Like two thousand, like three. Uh, just look it? up. Look four? up the Pistons' last uh, NBA championship and look at that NBA, Yeah, two thousand four NBA Finals. That's yeah. them. So two thousand four Pistons. So let's see how many names we know on here. Oh, there's definitely more than you would think. Okay. But no one that you you know. Yeah. Just names you would. Okay, so Chauncey Billups. Uh huh. Eldon Campbell. Don't know who that is. Don't know who that is. Um, he was the 27th pick overall in 1990. Okay. Uh, Tremaine, Tremaine, Folks. No idea. No idea. He was the 54th <laughs> pick in 98. <laughs> okay. Undrafted Darvin Ham. Never heard of him. Then we got Richard Hamilton. Uh huh. Lindsey Hunter. Don't know I, him. I wonder if he was. Was he any? I recognize the name, maybe. Let's just check stats real quick. Yeah, no, never mind. Um, okay. Uh, Mike James, undrafted. 
That uh, name I recognize, though. I feel like I do, but I'm not sure. I mean, that I feel year like he only it... averaged six points a game. He did average. He had a year in 2005 with Toronto. He averaged. Oh, you definitely. Yeah, he played until 2014. Okay. Uh, I feel but... like he he did he play a year in Brooklyn. Or was that somebody else that happened to be? It must be named the, uh, Mike James. It must be the too. same. Yeah, because this guy never. This guy played for every team in the damn league. Jesus, <laughs> played for Miami, Boston, Detroit, Milwaukee. The only Detroit year is the year he won. He actually came from Boston. Okay. Um, Miami, Boston, Detroit, Milwaukee, Houston, Toronto, Minnesota, Houston again, New Orleans, Washington, New Orleans again, Washington again. Chicago, Dallas, Chicago again. Oh, wow. It was all was, over the place. That's from 2001 to 2014. Okay, yeah, no. So um, I think it was just, it, it was somebody else that yeah. like just happened to be have the same name. But then some more players. Darko Milicic. Okay, I've heard of him. Uh, infamous yeah, he, second he overall pick be, after LeBron. Yeah, he was horrible though, wasn't he? He was horrible in the fact that he was picked before Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and Carmelo uh, Anthony. True. Like, I mean, yeah. he averaged – actually, yeah, he never had a season yeah. averaging more than 10 points a game. Um, it was just oh, yeah, made no. worse by the fact that he was picked before, you know, oh, yeah, Dwayne Wade, is, Mello, and <laughs> – Yeah, no, this is brutal, his stats. I'm not even going to read yeah. them off. That's, that's tough. That's tough for Darko. Um, for a career, he averaged six – Oof. Four and Ouch. not even an assist. Oh. Um. Then yeah. Mehmet Okor. I remember. I him. know. I remember that name. Yep. Um. Tayshon Prince. Oh, I forgot about. Tayshaun. Forgot about yeah. him. Um. Ben Wallace. Yep. Which you mentioned, and then Rashid Wallace, and then Jeez. some guy named Corliss Williamson, which I don't know who that is. No, I don't um, think I know that. See if he did anything this year. Uh. He had a but he had a decent amount of double digit average scoring seasons. This the year they won, he only averaged nine, but he had, you know, a bunch of ten and elevens, a twelve and a thirteen. He had a fifteen and a seventeen. Um, so probably just like a one of those like you know, he had yeah. a he played from ninety five to two thousand seven, so he had a career. Okay, yeah. Um, but that's that that's a team that won the NBA Finals. Yeah, and like you look through, it's like because they have what pick all these guys were billups was a number three overall pick okay so that's high Mm -hmm. that campbell guy was 27 that tremaine guy was 54th whoever darvin ham was undrafted richard hamilton was number seven so there's a high one that was a big one lindsey hunter who was i looked up did nothing was number 10 overall okay Mike James was undrafted. Mm-hmm. Darko was a number two, but yeah, sucked. And he did nothing. That was a Mehmet Okor was a 37 overall. Okay. Tayshawn was 23 overall. All right. Ben Wallace, undrafted. Wow, yeah. And then Rashid Wallace, number four overall. So they okay. had a number... They had a few high... Billups was a high one. Um, although, did he... So he didn't even start in Detroit, though. He was drafted by Boston in 97. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. Drafted by Boston, 
97, then went to Toronto, then Denver. So he was in Denver before that Denver run we know about with Mello. He was in Denver for two years, then Minnesota, then he had that Detroit run from 2002 to 2008, then went back to Denver for a few years. Okay. The second Denver trip is the one that I remember. That we know. I didn't even know there was a first one. Yeah, neither did I. Um, that's that's wild how good this team was. It's like I know. they had a of the entire team, they had one, two, three, four. They had five top five picks. One of them wasn't theirs. It was Chauncey. Mm-hmm. One of them was Richard Hamilton. One was Lindsey Hunter. One was Darko. And then one was Rashid Wallace. Wow. That's, and, and again, but none of those guys really were ever like top 10 players in the league. No. In their I mean, even look, I mean, I obviously know he was a defensive guy. Ben Wallace averaged five points for his career. Yeah. He did not. He was a defensive master. The highest. He was was probably, he was a top three defensive player throughout his career. But Um, never like a top 10 overall player in his career. But even, so like, if you look at these, it's so the highest he ever averaged points wise was 9.7. The year they won the finals was 9.5. But even rebounds, like compared to like, what you get like today, like the year they won the finals, he averaged 12, which is like, you know, you look at Andre Drummond and he gets like 20 (laughs) or it's like, you know, he doesn't do shit, but like Deandre Jordan used to get like 17 or like the Valanchunas used to just casually get like 15. Steven Mm -hmm. Adams is one that Steven Adams, if you want to bet it, it's like his line is at like 14 every night. Yeah. I looked the other night, uh, and then we can kind of move on from this. Um, I wanted to bet on uh, Jokic to do something. And I looked at what his uh, triple-double odds were. Because I was like, oh, I feel good about a Jokic triple-double. And I'm sure it's a triple-double, so you can usually get like, you know, if I want to, I bet on like a John Morant triple-double the other day. It was like plus 600 odds. I'm like, all right, I could feel fine if he doesn't get it because it's yeah. a pretty long shot. But like, it is doable. If I wanted to bet on a Jokic triple-double, plus 150. <laughs> I'm basically getting just my money back. Yeah. I was like, bit, there's, like, I'm like, I can't justify betting on a triple. I, I was like, I get it. He gets them a lot. But does. I can't justify betting a triple-double for yeah. even money. For so then I was like, I was like, what the hell is a double-double for him? Yeah. Minus a thousand. Oh, my God. For a double double, so they're basically figuring automatic on the mm-hmm. double double because his his rebound. Because yeah. the thing is with like you know if you were to bet like Rudy Gobert double double, I think it's only like minus like two twenty or like something like that or like two thirty or something like that. It, it could be a little off, but it's definitely not a thousand because Rudy Gobert is not guaranteed ten points every game. True. Yeah. Like Gobert will get you the rebounds or like, you know, there could be a night where like maybe he has like 15 points, but he only has nine boards or something like mm-hmm. that. Jokic's line to bet the rebounds was 14 and a half. <laughs> and his points was probably almost 20 or more. 
Oh, it was probably almost 30. It was probably yeah, like 27 probably or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. So that's nuts. No, absolutely nuts. Um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, we went, we always go some interesting ways. Uh, oh, yeah. when we always end up, I feel like we always end up like trailing <laughs> to some like random ass team or draft and like analyzing it. And I mean, um, we, we but, could go one more if we really wanted to. Oh, I, I, I just ha- I have another one in mind mm-hmm. that this Clippers team kind of reminds me of. And this is, uh, we were just talking about this at, uh, I was talking about this at work uh, the other day. I think on Friday, uh, this team was was mentioned the Sacramento Kings. The Weber team? The Weber, Bibby, Pager. Like that team, the team that should have won an NBA Finals. Right. But got cheated out of it by the NBA and the referees against the Lakers. In like two thousand and four, no, five or four, three. No, well, two thousand four was the Pistons. So it was either two thousand three, four was the Pistons. So was it like one, two, maybe something like that? Just look up Lakers Kings Eastern Conference Finals. I'm sure you'll find it. (laughs) Um. Two thousand two. Okay. Yeah, because that was another one. Like that team was really good, but they didn't necessarily. Well, I mean, Chris Webber was kind of that superstar, but outside of that, like they just had a lot of really good players on that team. So the Kings had Chris Webber, Mike Bibby, yep. Vladi Divac, Bobby Divac. Jackson, Hito Turkoglu, a young Hito, Doug Christie, Peja oh, Stoyakovich. Uh, Scott Pollard, who I've actually I've heard of him. I don't know how. What is he? Average twelve po- or twelve? No, twelve minutes. Sorry, two points. <laughs> uh, Lawrence Funderburk. What I've a heard name. of him. Yeah, um, a- and then a young, a nineteen-year-old Gerald Wallace. Oh, was on that team. I mean, he he, he only got five minutes a game in Man. this uh, in this series, so he he averaged two points. But you had. Chris Weber, who averaged in this series at least, I think it's saying this series. Um, let's see. Yeah, it must be. Uh, 24, 11, and 6 with a steal and a block. Mm-hmm. Bibby with 23, 4, and 4 with two steals. Divock with 14 points, 10 boards, a steal and a block. Bobby Jackson, 12 points. Uh, that's it. And then uh, Hito had uh, 11 and 5 a game. 11, yeah. 5 and 2. So, I mean, that's a nice Peja? little. Peja? This I'm... must. I, this, I mean, it's not a super young Peja. He's 24, but he only averaged six points a game. Mm. Six and five. He only played 20 minutes. Yeah, I feel um, like I guess he might his role must have expanded on that team maybe in like a couple it, years following that. Right, because Weber was off the team in a few years. Okay. So uh, I remember Pagea being like the best three point no, shooter I, in the league at that yeah, t- yeah. at that time. And he um because he was on Sacramento until he was there for quite a while. I think he was there until 2005. Okay. And then, or 2006, and then he spent a year in Indiana. And then 
uh, went to New Orleans. So he actually, they must have like cut him off for that series because regular season wise, he was, that doesn't make much sense. What I say that it was like 2001, 2002, he was averaging 21 points a game. That makes zero sense for that series that he only averaged six or what did I say? Six. Yeah. Here, hold on. I can pull up box scores. Maybe he just didn't. Um, hmm. So here, we'll go in game one. That's odd. Um, why is this giving me points a game? Give me like total in this game. This is annoying. Um, yeah, I don't know why it's, it's quite odd. I don't know why it, he only played that little if he was averaging like 20 points a game that season. I wonder if it, he didn't get hurt, did he? Uh, I don't know. Hmm. Very odd. I don't know. This is, uh, they're not making this. They're not making this uh, box score easy to read by any means. Yeah, they're only, where is he? Uh, See, See, now this is saying 21 in the, oh, 21 in the regular season and playoff. I don't know. This website is janky. I don't know why Um, basketball reference is throwing me some weird numbers. Here we go. Game. So that's Lakers. Kings. Uh, Okay, so he didn't play game one. Okay. So maybe Maybe, he might have been hurt then. Maybe that's why I'm getting weird. Maybe that's why his numbers are weird for this. Uh, Did not play. Yeah, did not dress in game two. So that's that's why his numbers are so off in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even did, maybe when he came back, he was playing. Did not hurt. dress in game three. That's okay. That makes a lot more sense. Uh, again in game four. Uh. Finally played 18 minutes in game five. Uh, had two points off the bench in 18 minutes uh, on two free throws. Hmm. Uh, game six played 19 and a half minutes off the bench had 10 points. And then game seven uh, played 25 minutes and had eight points. So he must have been playing hurt that series then. Very odd. Okay. Holy crap. Or is that just per... Oh, wow. Okay, so that's... That game seven, I I just looked... Went into overtime. 
Shaq and Kobe Bryant in that game both played over 50 minutes. Jesus Christ. But, I mean, okay, Shaq had 35 points. Kobe had 30 <laughs> in over 50 minutes played. That's gross. And what a, what a duo. One of, the, one of the best to ever do it. Yeah. Oh. Damn, that could have been completely different if they actually had Peja. I mean, they lost a 20-per-game score. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because you had Chris Webber, Mike Bibby were doing their thing. Divock did his thing. And it was just, yeah, the the Kings that series just weren't getting much production off their bench. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But that, that was another team that, honestly, I, I feel like they should have won uh, an NBA championship, but never did. Because I, I, I'm sure anybody who is a fan of the NBA knows of that controversy. And here he is. Oh? It is Joe. Joe. From wherever he may be. Once he connects. It looks like he's just leaving work. (laughs) Again, just because my brain is constantly just spewing them out. Another t-shirt idea. Oh, where's Waldo's (laughs) shirt? But it's Joe. (laughs) Hey! Oh, that is amazing. Joe, we've come up with another uh, t-shirt design for our uh, for our podcast. <laughs> Guys, yes. I'm so mad that I missed so much of this podcast. I'm so mad. But wait, what is it? What is uh, it? It's um, due to the various locations you call in from. It'd be a where it's like a where's Waldo shirt, but it's you. <laughs> like, dude, sometimes I'm in Chipotle, sometimes I'm in work. You know, you never know where I am. It's great. The car, the gas the gro- station is yeah, my the, favorite. The grocery store. The, the propping up the phone at the gas station is by <laughs> far my favorite because the commitment is there. Uh, uh, we, maybe we won't be seeing you at the gas station because it's a fucking small fortune to go get gas yeah. now. Oh I saw God. a five today and I wanted to scream. Oh, God. Oh. Are we talking about Biden? <laughs> oh no. No. We're no. talking about basketball. Yeah. The other B. Yeah. Just kidding, we're, guys. I'm we not even talk- political. We were talking about the uh the Detroit Pistons and the, the Sacramento news. Kings from the early two thousands. Guys, I mean we could keep to- you keep talking about that, but I want to talk about the Laker and oh. um the Warriors. Laker. The the um the Lakers and uh Warriors. I don't know. Yeah. Did you guys see it? The the LeBron masterpiece. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my! What a game! Did you, did you guys see the highlights at all? Or? I saw a little bit. I saw him hit bombs near the end of the game. Dude, I'll tell you what, man. A part of me is really rooting for them to get it together. I, it would be really cool with the roller coaster season. Oh, like a. 
I mean, being a Westbrook fan alone, I wanted this team to be somewhat successful. I could care less about LeBron, but I, I want Westbrook to get a damn. I had to watch Vince Carter play t- 37 years and not get a <laughs> ring. So I'd really like for Westbrook to get one. Right. <laughs> but, dude, he, Westbrook had a good game last night, too. Mm-hmm. No, it was definitely better than, uh, than the few in the past. Yes, like a lot. I believe he had like 18 points in the third quarter. I didn't see his final statistics. I was watching the highlights on YouTube. I've been trying to do that more. And it was a, just overall a great game and back and forth. Golden State was up by like 15 at one point, and the Lakers came back, and LeBron hit those big threes at the end. Overall, though, dude, I'm rooting for them, and I'm hoping they can turn it around because it, it, was, it was a sight to see. And the Melo hit a big three at the end. Ooh. And uh, I mean, they could, they'll stay in the play in. And if they could win the play in, I mean, it'd be kind of interesting to see, you know, last year, Phoenix beat a, granted, they could have beat them either way, but Phoenix beat an injured Lakers. Or we could get a, uh, a, uh, a rematch of that. Phoenix Lakers game and there may be injury on the other side. I mean, I don't know what Davis's deal is, but we also don't know what Chris Paul's deal is. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's dude. Overall, from what I gathered from the game last night, they're not quitting. They're not quitting yet. Like the Knicks quit. Like their their season's done, but there's still a there's still a little hope there, I think, in my opinion. I don't because Stephen A. Smith is like, oh, the Lakers season is over. But you know, if they could string some wins together, who knows? I mean, they don't have to play the Clippers anymore, so I think right. their chances may might have gone up a little bit just because of that. But, uh, but so, what else are you guys talking about? What's uh, what's going on here? Uh, we we it, talked about um, how Boston has actually gotten their shit together a bit, and we talked about uh, how great John Morant is. Oh, he's incredible. He's been a monster. Uh, it was like, I think it was 46 he had uh, a few nights ago, and then 52 against the Spurs. It was 46, I think, against uh, – Chicago, and then literally the game after 52 against San Antonio with – actually, we didn't even talk about this part of it. Sorry, excuse me while I fumble and try and plug in my uh, my phone that is on 5%. Um, John Morant, and I imagine you two have to have seen it because I actually saw it broke social media records for, like, the most streams, like, the NBA has gotten on any sort of video. John Morant might have had – the dunk of the year and the play of the year in that same game. And the dunk of the year, he took off from like, like a step inside of like the free throw line elbow and just absolutely postered Jakob Pertl. And then while actually on the topic of that, has anyone played the new the new phenomenon uh, uh, game Purtle on their phone? No, There's, I have not. Did I did I bring that up last episode or no? 
No, you did so not. So you guys know the game Wordle that has been like very yeah. big across mm-hmm. um what now for those that you don't that don't know, it's some you know spelling game, whatnot on there's a new new word each day you have to try to figure out the word. Someone, a very smart uh someone did a little wordplay, and because it rhymes, there is now a game called Purdle. <laughs> And each day there's an NBA player you have to guess, and it's phenomenal. Uh, it is a great game. Dude, that's uh, awesome. It is I so fun. Turtle. It's very fun. Um, but then the second play Morant had that might have been the player of the year, it was right before the end of the first half. Steven Adams full-on baseball throw, full court to John Morant, who catches it, oh, jumping it. over the baseline. Catches it midair and shoots a f- jumper while he's falling out of bounds and over the backboard drains it. <laughs> Dude, it, is it one, so Ryan, sick. I'll have to send it in if you haven't seen it. It's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in my life. Hmm. And yeah, I don't think I've, know, I've seen that. Bro, you want to talk about how sick John Morant is? It is mind-boggling to think about. He went to Murray State. Like, one of the best basketball players right now. He's not the best, but he's, he's one of the best. And he went to, like, not Duke, not Kentucky, not North Carolina, not those big basketball schools that perpetually produce stars. He went to Murray State. Well, dude, if you um, – one of the uh, podcasts I listen to is a, their uh, local Memphis – uh, show I like them just because the host is the host of another show I listen to, and so they have a lot of like inside scoops with like the Grizzlies and whatnot. John Morant was not a, like a highly touted like high like he played AAU and all that, but like he'd go to like these training like these camps and whatnot. With the way Murray State found out about him, he was at one of these camps. And all of the like, you know, main prospects and whatnot, where all the scouts would watch, were in one gym. Ja was in the other gym, like the like lower tier gym hmm. that no one would pay attention to. And one of the scouts went to a vending machine to get a snack and saw Ja Morant through the door and started watching him. Oh my god! Yeah. See, why like, can't something like that happen to us? <laughs> I know. Oh, I, I'm out there, you know, dunking on people. No one sees it. Yeah. No. The, speaking <laughs> of which, the Stallions are after a, a tough 0 and one start are now one and one. Woo! Uh, th- two thrilling sure. games, both three point games. It's uh, another game tomorrow night at ten. I'll be live streaming the game. <laughs> I wish that'd be fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, Jaw has been absolutely phenomenal, and I think that's why. He has such the mindset he does is because he's been an underdog. His, despite being the number two overall pick, he's been an underdog his entire life. And now he's mm-hmm. in a small – that's why I think the small market Memphis fits so well with him and why he loves that city so much yeah. is because it's a small market and, you know, they're kind of doubted just like he is. Like, he fits in perfectly there. Yeah, like, honestly, I feel like if he went to, like – New York or, or Los Angeles, I feel like he would struggle a little bit with the bigger spotlight. Mm-hmm. Or not even if he would like struggle with it per se. I just don't think it fits him. 
Yeah. Doesn't really fit his personality. No. And like, yeah, maybe this the numbers would still be there, but I don't think people would. I, I just, I, yeah, people wouldn't be as excited and it just kind of, I feel like he still would kind of get like lost in the spotlight a little bit. <clears throat> Even though he makes a lot of flashy plays. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. It's wild, dude. I, I love that story. Where'd you hear that, Nick? Uh, it's a, um, no, uh, the host is, uh, his name is Chris Vernon. It's his, um, show in memphis he's uh i don't know if you guys heard there's a it's an nba podcast network called the ringer and he oh, has it's ben it's uh ben simmons it's bill simmons <laughs> uh media company or podcast company or whatever and i can't stand bill simmons but i like all the other shows on the pod on their <laughs> network and I he's like the host. i feel mm-hmm. like you might have mentioned that story once before like a mm-hmm. while ago um and so I like him as the host of one of the shows, which is like a very wide range NBA show. So I listened to his like local show, which is like a, usually like an hour, an hour and a half, sometimes even two hours. And like they talk about they definitely focus on Memphis a lot, but they you know talk about all things sports. So it's worth like the listen and whatnot. And you got to get a lot of like in-depth stuff about uh, that. That's how I've heard about some of the Jaw stuff and uh very entertaining they're they're entertaining it's an entertaining show it makes it worth what listening to even though like i wish there was a show because i've listened to like magic podcasts and like they're good but there's nothing nearly as entertaining it's more like daily like talk radio than like mm, yeah. a, like team specific podcast mm-hmm. is this oh here it is oh all right um Ryan, I'm sending you the uh, the John Morant, uh, okay. the Stephen Adams John Morant thing. All right. uh, I'll take a look at that uh, afterwards. Yeah. Was there anything else, uh, any other topics on NBA that you wanted to? No, that's all I got. Cover? Mm-hmm. All right. So we got some time here. Let's get into some NHL. Uh, as we're into March now with the NHL trade deadline approaching at the end of this month. Uh, and things starting to to really heat up as we get down towards uh, the latter half of the season, uh, pretty much as in the NBA. Um, a lot of teams right now around 55 to 57 games played uh, in the NHL out of an 82-game season, so not too much uh, you know, left to play there. And, you know, thing, things really starting to take shape, uh, at least as far as uh, playoffs are concerned. Uh, and as I said, you know, teams really getting a good look at whether they're going to be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline. Um, Rangers right now, uh, they just beat the Winnipeg Jets tonight. Uh, the game just ended. They won four to one. Uh, to bring them to 36, 15, and 5 on the season, 77 points in the standings uh, with 56 games played, which puts them in second uh, in the Metropolitan Division. And really am starting to believe that the Rangers will be buyers at the trade deadline. Uh, I was talking to my friend Colin on Friday night, 
a little bit. And uh, we both really agree that the Rangers need to add a top six forward. Uh, they need to find somebody to help out and get them a little bit more scoring. Uh, especially considering it looks pretty much, you know, pretty assured that they are going to make the playoffs this year. And uh, let me see, what were some of the names he mentioned? Okay. A um, couple names uh, that he mentioned. And Joe, I'd just like to get your, you know, your thoughts on this. Uh, and see what you would think about the Rangers making a move like this. Two of the names that came up were either uh, Max Domi or Ricard Raquel, two players that in their current situations uh, having some down seasons, but two guys that are definitely capable uh, of putting up points, uh, you know, when they're playing well. You know, what, what would you think of the, you know, the Rangers adding – um, a couple of guys like that coming from an outside perspective. Well, you know, being not being a Ranger fan, yeah, listen, the more help, the better. Um, well, correlated to the Islanders a little bit because they, uh, they brought in Kyle Palmieri a year ago and Travis Sajak. And I know, obviously, it's a little different. But at the end of the day, you need guys that will put up points and that'll that'll score. And the Rangers need more scoring. So I think it's a good thing, 110%. I think you're going to bring in guys with a little experience because for the most part, the thing is about this Ranger team, you have a guy like Chris Chris Kreider who's – but he was on the, the team that went to the Cup, right? Yes, he was. He was – is he the only one? I believe, Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. Right, so you have a guy like Kreider. And you have your stars, you have your Panarin, you have your, uh, you have Mika Zibanejad, you have mm -hmm. a multitude of different stars and young stars and old stars. The point is, my point is a solid balance between young and old. Those are the teams that go far. Veteran experience, playoff experience, and Stanley Cup experience. So I definitely think it'll be a good thing for them, 110%. Yeah, and you know, especially where the Rangers stand right now, you know, you're looking at a team that is winning a lot of games, mostly because they have right now the best goaltender in the league in Igor Shesterkin. That's, who that's is, another, yes. Who, yes. Who's been playing out of his freaking mind uh, recently, other than a bad game uh, the other night. Uh, who did they play? Um. Actually, you know, didn't have a great game against St. Louis on Wednesday, but they still won that game. Uh, other than that, uh, no, that even that Vancouver game. So, you know, even over his last few games, like, yeah, the most goals he's given up, I think, in a while uh, was last Wednesday against St. Louis. He gave up three goals. The Rangers still ended up winning that game. Um, you know, but right. other than that, you know, a lot of these games, you know, five to three, three to one, four to one. But, you know, again, you're playing the Devils. They beat them three to one. They just played the Jets, who aren't a very good team. But once you get into the playoffs, you know, you're going to need your offense to do a little bit more. Uh, and, you know, for the Rangers right now, it's very 
their offense is very condensed. It's pretty much been Zabanajad, Kreider, Panarin, Adam Fox, and I think Ryan Strom. It, it's really like those five main guys are doing really well, and they just they need a little bit of a little bit extra firepower. I think. I'm bit right. Yeah. Especially considering, like, yes, Lafreniere has been coming along pretty well the last couple of weeks. He's been playing on that first line uh, with Savannah, Jad, and Kreider. But, you know, going into the playoffs, especially with this defensive core that the Rangers have, I know Fox and Lindgren have become one of the best uh, defensive pairs in the league very quickly, but they're both only 24 years old. You have Keandre Miller, who, again, has become very good very quickly, but he's like 22, 23 years old. Right. You have you know, a lot their, of their third defensive pair right now, like tonight, they had Patrick Nemeth, who is a little bit older. He's 26, but not, you know, I don't know if he really has much playoff experience, you know, but they've been playing Zach Jones a lot, who's played really well in his opportunities. He's 20, you know, 21. Uh, they've been playing Braden Schneider. Their first round draft pick from this past year is 20 years old. He's been playing very well, but again, he's only 20 years old and a rookie. So, you know, getting into the playoffs where, you know, which we know playoffs in any sport, especially the NHL for people who watch the NHL, NHL playoffs are such a different animal as opposed to the regular season. Not even close. And realistically, like anything can happen. Because we've seen before, it's not about how good your team is in the regular season. And honestly, a team coming in as a number one seed in the NHL playoffs realistically means absolutely nothing. Because how many times have we seen an eight seed squeak into the playoffs and just happen to get hot at the right time? And all of a sudden, that number one seed who came in at the top of the NHL is gone in the first round. Yeah. Like it, that stuff like that honestly happens a lot more often I've seen in the NHL than it really does in any other sport where those wild card teams could just happen to get hot at that right time. And all of a sudden that number one, number two seed is gone in the first round. And you're looking at it like, Holy shit. Like, this team was supposed to be, like, one of the favorites to win the Stanley Cup, and now they just got bounced in the first round of the playoffs. Dude, and that is why the NHL playoffs are arguably – again, if people don't like hockey, they'll disagree, but even a casual sports fan will a thousand percent – hopefully a thousand percent agree that hockey playoffs are just electric. They are. And, and to your point, dude – yeah, listen, the objective is just to get in. Just get in. Because if you get in, man, you you could realistically make a run if you just get hot. It's very possible. And, and the Rangers adding a couple key guys. I didn't realize how young they were. I don't follow oh, yeah, them. They're, they're one, of, one of the youngest teams in the league. So I guess they don't have a healthy balance of veterans and rookies. Honestly, not really. Like they're the oldest defenseman that they're starting right now. 
on a on a constant basis is Jacob Truba, and he's only like 27, 28. Jeez. And he, he's the oldest defenseman that they're playing. My God, I didn't realize they were so young. Yeah, because then you figure Shesterkin is 25. Oh, my God, they're so young. Um, yes. Wow. You figure uh, Lafreniere is 19, 20. He's 19? Get yeah. the hell out. Yeah. No way. Yeah, he's he? 19, 20 years old. Something like that, yeah. Uh, Zabanajad is only like 26. Okay. Well, 26, 27. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's not like Andy Green territory where they're 40 years old. Yeah. But still, a Zabanajad, uh, how old's Panarin? Panarin's young, isn't he? He's, 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 20, he's 27, 28. Okay. You know, Kreider's uh, only like 31. So Kreider's the oldest, I'm assuming. Uh, no, actually, Ryan Reeves is like 35. Ryan I didn't, Reeves. I didn't realize that, but he he's 35. Okay. But all their other guys, like if they're not youngsters, they're all in that kind of like 25 to 30 range. Because Strom, I believe, is like 29. Uh, you look at Dryden Hunt. I think is like he might be a little older than I thought, but he's playing a lot right now. Philip Heedle is only maybe 21, 22. You know, a lot a lot of this, you know, these guys on this team are very, very young. How about that? Uh, let me look it up. I'm going to look well, it up I think real Adding quick. veteran, a little veteran playoff experience to this roster is even more important then. A hundred percent, dude. Yeah, it's great to be young because when you're young, you're quicker. You're more agile. And I mm-hmm. – a thousand percent, and that'll help them in the playoffs, but a little playoff experience, bringing in guys that have been there before alongside Kreider, even better. Yeah. And, and I think that's, I, that's something that, that they, they necessarily – like they have to do it. They have to do it. I'm sorry, yeah. you were going to say? Uh, so I found it. I'm going to go through the guys that are mainly uh, playing as of right now for the Rangers that are getting uh, some play time. Uh, Morgan Barron's been playing some games. He's 23. Uh, Johnny Brzezinski just played tonight. He's 28. Philip Heedle, 22. Ryan Strom, 28. Zabanajad, 28. Julian Gauthier, 24. Uh, Barclay Goodrow, 29. Dryden Hunt, 26. Kreider doesn't turn 31 until the end of April. Lafreniere, 20. Panarin turned 30 in October. Ryan Reeves, 39. Adam Fox, 24. Lindgren, 24. Keandre Miller, 22. Braden Schneider, 20. Jacob Truba, 28. Shesterkin, 26. So just thinking about how good this team is performing right now and how young they are. And I think, like you said, if they could add that one, you know, extra veteran guy, veteran top six forward, you know, that is maybe having that down season that, okay, maybe it's a situation where a change of scenery will help them out. It'll re-energize them. 
like we have seen before, you know, with other trades that have happened in, you know, various sports. But, you know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But I, I'm really excited to see where the Rangers are headed uh, this year and in the near future. But to be excited, man. Uh, very excited. Uh, Playoff hockey is amazing. Yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, for the Islanders, though, uh, you know, seeing where they're where they're at right now, you know, with the trade deadline approaching, Joe, what what do you think the Islanders are do? Do you think they should sell, or do you think they just kind of you know stick with what they what they have and just hope for a bounce back year next year, considering? you know, how much injuries and COVID really played a big part in why they've been struggling so much this year. Dude, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm surprised that all that, that entire team hasn't been traded yet. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm going to be – no, seriously. Like, I think – I mean, yeah, there's still time, but, I, like, people have been talking about Clutterbuck and uh, Scott Mayfield and – Zinkis, like all these guys, and none of them have been traded. And again, like there's still plenty of time, so we'll see what happens. But going back to answer your question, dude, you know, they opened the season with 13 road games because their arena wasn't ready yet. Mm. And then not only that, but COVID did play a big part as they, they literally lost a big, a large portion of their team. I'm not trying to use all that as an excuse because at the end of the day, their record is what it is. They haven't performed well this season. I think you need to – guys like Brock Nelson and Josh Bailey, they're done. They're done. Like, you, you can't – Brock Nelson is having a nice year, but he – I think whenever I watch him, he never, ever can give me a clutch goal, ever. Ever. It's only when we're up four to two or five to two, then maybe he'll score, right? <laughs> Literally, it, I'm I'm not even kidding. Like it, it it's, it's crazy. It's ver, like verbatim, dude. It, it, it's wild. But maybe if you want to trade some some of the older guys and, and start younger and, and look into a rebuild, so be it. But it is a little interesting that they haven't. They haven't traded anyone yet. So we'll see what happens. And who knows? But I I currently love, you know, I as a fan, you you love your team. And if they say hypothetically speaking, the Rangers traded freaking Zabanajad or Strom or or uh, Miller or any of those guys, like you would feel some type of way. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I remember when the Mets traded uh, Beltron in 2011. Mm. That was a tough one. That was a tough one. But, yeah, you know, it's, it sucks seeing some of the guys you've watched for years get traded to a new team because it, it like, feels foreign when they wear a, a different uniform. I have, a feeling, I have a feeling Clutterbuck's going to be going 100, 100%. All right. Yeah. Well, 
like I said, we you know got a few more weeks. I believe the trade deadline is March thirty first. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure. Um, so we'll we'll just have to see. Um, just a couple more things I, I wanted to note uh, about the Rangers and just like how good I'm feeling about it. Uh, just as opposed to like years past, uh, one of the big differences with the Rangers this year and why they're performing so well is the power play. And I, I'm just so excited about this power play this year and how well they're doing because I spent so many years over the last like decade looking at this, this Rangers team coming into every season thinking about the guys they had on this team, like, you know, when they had Ryan McDonough, Brad Richards, Marion Gaverick, Rick Nash, Marty St. Louis. And I'm thinking to myself, like, they have so many good skilled players. Like, this power play has to be good this year. This is the year that their, their power play has to click. It has to work. And it just never seemed to happen. And they always had an absolutely terrible power play which, you know, killed them in the playoffs a couple of years right before they went into the rebuild. But then this year, I, I, I'm not entirely sure exactly what it is other than I just, this team, I guess it just shows the chemistry of this team and the chemistry of these players because you have a first power play unit that consists of Adam Fox, Mika Zibanejad, Artemi Panarin, Brian Strom, and Chris Kreider, sporting the fourth best power play in the NHL right now. And it has just become, gotten to a point where when this power play unit is really rolling, they've been having times where they don't even have to really look to see where they're passing. They can throw blind passes and just know that whoever they expect to be in that spot where they're putting the pass is going to be in that spot. And it, it, it's just the, the, the chemistry between these five guys has become so good. And I honestly just don't necessarily understand what the difference is between this team you know, this group of five and, you know, the groups that they had in years past and why, you know, those just didn't seem to work as opposed to, you know, how this one is working as well as it is, despite, okay, like I understand there a lot, there's a lot of skill in those five players, but I, I'm just, you know, as a fan, I, it's not really registering to me, you know, what the exact differences are you know, between how those the power plays of the past that had plenty of skill on them failed, and this one is just excelling so much. Dude, I, I think it was only a matter of time, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I mean, the, it, what the last four or five years, however long it was, uh, yeah, I, two or three, they, they, right? this group has really been together. I think. They, and they added, what's his name, too, from Tampa Bay? Goodrow, right? Yeah, he plays on the second unit sometimes, I believe. I think they built through the draft correctly. 
I think the stars you just named, they're vital to the team's success. And I think if those stars continue to play the way they've been playing this year, dude, it's, I think you're in for a nice little run. I don't know about a cup. We'll see. That'll be cool. But I could see you guys winning potentially a couple rounds, which is very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I hope so. Uh, Playoff hot. Uh, All right. I believe that that about wraps it up for tonight. I think we've gone over enough. Me and Nick went on our uh, NBA tangent for the week uh, before before Joe got here. Yo, did Fazito um, come up? Uh, no, no he, it, he didn't. Uh, I think it was just more of a uh, – he did reply. Uh, I could read it on here. Uh he said uh, he had himself a hectic day today. Plus, uh, I will take part of the blame that I uh, really didn't reach out to him until my uh, decently recent, uh, right before the podcast. So I'll have to, uh, um, which I told Ryan even before, it'll make more sense to kind of have, have him uh, when we have like more of a set right before the playoffs start. So we have a lot of uh, stuff that he can go over. Um so we're, we're definitely going to get him on. He wants to be on. Uh, just we'll take a look. This was basically just a week in advance, so we'll get a little, little more planning with it. Um, and we'll definitely get him on, hopefully, for like a playoff uh, preview for the NBA. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, so I'll, uh, I'll talk to you guys uh, probably tomorrow uh, to see when we want to – if we want to get back to Wednesdays because I am available – uh, at least the next couple Wednesdays. I would love that. Um, so we can, you know, get back to that at least for the next couple weeks mm-hmm. uh, if we want to do that. But for tonight, uh, stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. And as always, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. Adios. Good night. <laughs> Bye.